Have you ever noticed how we're different and the same and the same and we're different and we're different and the same? All kinds of people. the talk of Muncie WMUN. All kinds of people. Hosted by Dr. Joe Mashevitz. Getting to know the people of Muncie and Delaware County, Indiana in a way you've never heard before. It's another way we're using our voice to build our community from Woof Boom Radio and 92.5 FM, 1340 AM, WMUN. Here's your host, Dr. Joe. Good, good morning, everybody, and welcome to all kinds of people on WMUN, the talk of Muncie, Indiana. And I am absolutely delighted to have Dee McKenzie with me today. Dee, thanks for coming down to the Roof Room Studios for a little chat. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Dee right now is the assistant to the president at Cornerstone for the Arts. But I want to jump back just a few years to Burris, because you're a Burris grad. Thank you. What were some of the memories back in the days of Muncie um, prior to Burris and then as you went to Burris? It, um, mm, Burris really formed and informed who I am. We had, we were so blessed to have all PhD teachers and um, some of the best in, in the country, I'm, I'm convinced. They taught us to think, which was the most important thing. And they taught us to be individuals and stand up for what we believed in. And they encouraged us to become fully de developed individuals on our own right without leaning on anyone else. And it was a fabulous experience. So that whole school experience really kind of set standards for you to pursue a variety of things oh absolutely um it it, it only um, encouraged me to go forth and I had so much support in that school now I was not a good student not at all uh, I got my transcript back from Ball State and I'm horrified to see what I flunked there which was pretty massive, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> we share a little bit of that in common. It, it, I you. just, it, I got what I needed out of school, which really was social development and intellect, and not intellect, I wouldn't say that about me, but it, uh, a, a curiosity that is nonstop, still is to this day. And that curiosity has certainly triggered a wide range of creative activities and jobs in various parts of the country. It, it has, and I've been very lucky and very fortunate. It, it was all happenstance. It was never me going out and seeking any of this, none of it. Uh, people recruited me largely because I came along in the 70s, and they wanted women in management positions. I started as a reporter here in Muncie and then moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, where I was a reporter uh, for three years, and then went to... Chicago, where I was a reporter, and then jumped to broadcasting because somebody uh, altered my lead and made me have to have the only retraction I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, hey, if somebody can do this and make a congressman have to apologize 
which is ultimately what happened. It was during Dick Nixon's time, and the copywriter thought it would be quite uh, more sexy to have the congressman, Erlenborn, say that Nixon should resign. Now, this was way before anybody had said it, way before. Maybe they had in Washington, but it sure hadn't gotten to Chicago. And um, I, it was a satellite operation, and I drove to the, the main hub where the copy editor was and threatened to kill him, and they decided that <laughs> maybe he should be editing someone else. Yeah, and I really meant it. I mean, if I could have gotten to him, I would have. Um, because it really was an embarrassment. But then I was still, as I was want to do, was grousing about this in Springfield. I was sent down to cover the last days of the the legislative session. And uh, one of my dear friends now said, why don't you come work at BBM Radio? And that's when I made the jump. And it was love at first sight. I just loved the people, loved the station, eventually was the managing editor, and that was pretty cool. What do you think it was about the broadcast side that triggered more enthusiasm from the print side? It was, I, I, I always would love print. I would love to be a New York Times columnist. If you're listening out there and want a columnist, I'm interested. But but it um, it, it was immediate. It, it, it was with good people. It was timely. They had very high standards. And it just fulfilled all the needs I had. Plus, I adore and adored Chicago. So I got to be involved in all the major stories in Chicago, including Mayor Daley dying and, and uh, the crash of the plane uh, at O'Hare that killed all the people in the publishing world, practically, from Chicago. All those stories were immediate. They were hard. The staff was good. The anchors were terrific. And uh, it was just love at first sight. It was just wonderful. You mentioned your days at Burst were not exactly academically strong. However, you went on to Ball State University and nailed a journalism degree. You were the editor of the Ball State Daily News and received the Outstanding Journalism Award from Ball State. So all of a sudden, maybe you actually did some studying no, while. I don't think that's true. Okay, I'm just um, kind of checking. Thank <laughs> you. No, I don't think that worked. Um, <laughs> that was not my bag at all. Uh, Dr. Engelhart was my champion, and he, I adored that man. I mean, just adored him. I would have jumped off a roof if he told me to because I knew he wouldn't hurt me. And um, he made sure that I had financial help all the way through school. Academics didn't figure into a lot of that. It was working on the the paper, and picking up other things that he could find me to do. I won a, a, the Pulliam scholarship in the end year, of the last year, and it was the first time I could relax uh, and not have to scramble for money. And uh, he, I'm sure, I'm sure that he salted that uh, award because it certainly wasn't on academics. He just gave me the scholarship. That's all there was to it. And when I graduated, he handed me five folded up $1 bills. And he said, here, you keep these and you'll never be broke again. And I have them to this day in a frame. What a great story. About oh, he was wonderful. Because I, I was very, I did a lot of work with Lou when I first came to Ball State. So it's just nice to hear those memories uh, about him. Um, you I, I guess, was it 
in your mind, unusual for a woman to be the editor of the Ball State Daily News? At that time, it was, but I didn't think anything about it. I deserved it. I was good. So why not? I, I mean, I've never, never let that female barrier be there. Because when I came up, it was there. Uh, that, that they, it was a two-edged sword. They wanted women, but they wanted women in a certain way. And so that was, it, I never saw barriers because I was a woman, but it was difficult because I was a woman. What, what were the challenges because of The that challenges were being taken seriously until people got to know me. When I went to Little Rock, they hired me because I was a woman. The, the bureau chief called me and said, UPI has us a gal down here, and we need one. And I thought, surely that's not true. And I went down there, and it, it was a struggle. Um, not covering the stories, doing anything like that, but in inner office things. They actually had a party where the, my first week there where to welcoming me to the bureau, but they wanted the wives to meet me. And it, I stood in a corner as the wives kind of passed by and looked me over, and I thought, wow, this is going to be rough. And it was. I just, I've been quite fascinated with some of the guests we've had on the program, women guests who actually made some inroads into a variety of things. And I want to come back to that. Um, we are talking with Dee McKinsey, everybody, the assistant to the president at Cornerstone for the Arts. And we're going to come back and pursue um, the whole concept of womanhood and leadership positions uh, right after this time out. everybody to all kinds of people on WMUN, the talk of Muncie. I'm with Dee McKenzie, who's the assistant to the president of Cornerstone Center for the Arts. And Dee, we left off sort of at the daily news, um, but I want to just mention that you shared in a Peabody Award and also got nominated for a Pulitzer with the Chicago Tribune. Can you think back to the memories of at least getting that nomination and sharing in such an award. Those are two very, very outstanding awards. The uh, Pulitzer, I didn't deserve, nor did the story deserve to be nominated. But I'm sure glad I didn't win it because I would have really been a, a pain in the... <laughs> in, in, I, I would have been what? so full of myself that I, Pulitzer Prize, but it would be Dee McKenzie Pulitzer Prize. So why Prize was it not deserving? Well, it, it, it was about a Bensonville Park District that was uh, at, in Chicago. If you exhibited at that time at McCormick Place and couldn't carry out your own material, it was stolen by the Teamsters and sold to individuals or groups and then resold. Well, the Bensonville Park District is in an area that's controlled by... I guess you would call it the mob at that time. 
And so they got all these materials, and, and these two guys uh, were selling um, golf equipment stolen out of the park district. And they were also running high-stakes poker games. They also um, had female-oriented parties for their their buddies. And you and, were involved in that story yeah, all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people call, people call you when you're doing investigations because they have an axe to grind. They don't call you, at least in my experience, because I've done several investigations, out of the goodness of their heart. They want you to get that guy. Well, I got the guys. They went to jail. and But it just, the the Tribune attorneys redid the lead so much that you couldn't tell what in the world was going on. Okay. And um, they this is one area that still um, upsets me. I did all the work. I did all the writing. I did all the, the work leading up to it, and they put a man's name on it with me because they thought it would uh, enhance the story, that a woman couldn't do an investigation of a golf course, yet I had met in the basement of a town store with the sheriff of that county. I had met with the police department. I'd met with all the players. You did I'd all even, the legwork. I did all the legwork. I even got to like the guys who were the crooks and went to jail. Um, they would invite me to have a drink with them after each board meeting and tell me where I didn't get far enough in the story and then laugh. Uh, and I found them quite charming, um, as most people are. I mean, I find most people charming. Well, some not, not so much. But, <laughs> but so it, it wasn't deserving of a Pulitzer because it was so watered down. And I didn't want to share a Pulitzer with this guy who hadn't done any work. Did you have a sense that the same kind of thing occurred in terms of male-female role when you went on to NPR and CBS radio? Um, no. Uh, I think that by then the people were so sophisticated in looking at women. They knew they needed women. I mean, I got ahead because I was a woman, let's face it. And, um, but, but, but they still needed the work done. And the thing about NPR is, is that um, it's a petticoat operation. Nina, Koki, Susan, and Linda Wertheimer were all forces of nature. I mean, if you want to go up against those women, God help you. They could win in the Ukraine because they, when NPR was going down the, the tubes, and they were in the early 80s, they didn't have enough money. They borrowed paper from me at CBS across the street from them. And um, they got on the phone one day, all four of them, and raised over a million dollars to keep it afloat. Now, these women... Uh, to be quite honest, were married to very powerful men, came from backgrounds that most of us would envy. Koki is landed gentry from the South. Nina is the daughter of a, a concert cellist with the Philharmonic. Uh, all of them were quite substantial. And, and when you pick up the phone, you you understood that they meant business. They didn't mess around. And it was often that I would I edited for Nina for a while, and I admire her, and I think she's very good. But I picked up the phone, and it would be Scalia. It would be a Supreme Court justice calling her without the aid of a secretary. And uh, these women were powerful. So there, the men are a bit diminished at NPR. Everyone kind of laughs about it, and the women are the ones that are strong forces to this day. Yeah, um, it's, it's very noticeable. 
with on-air work and reporting work at NPR that the women are still very, very strong. And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I can remember a little bit back in the day that because the women were so strong, there was a potential issue with fundraising at NPR sometimes because there were some people that wanted the men there. But um, they clearly have set a path for a lot of other young people to come along and do that kind of work. Yeah, I, I mean, they were so powerful that even Newt Gingrich couldn't hold back their funding. And boy, did he try. He did a body block, to, uh, But they just rolled right over. Yeah. And I have a lot of admiration for them as reporters and people and human beings. They're very, 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 yeah. very good. I'm, I'm kind of curious to know, you did quite a bit of traveling with the White House Press Corps. Right. What are a couple memories that kind of come back with that experience? Because that had to be, I would think, somewhat interesting to be on the White House Press Corps. Well, it, it, I wasn't with the Corps. I was with the traveling press. Okay. And they had me as a field producer because they were convinced that Ronald Reagan, who had been con- had cancer, was going to die at any moment. And I was doing radio in a television bureau. So they felt like people would roll right over radio. And so they sent me with them everywhere I went. The interesting part of that was that I got to know Ronald Reagan because I was the only one that did radio addresses. Uh, and I got to go to Camp David, up on the ranch. People didn't get to do that. And he had a sense of humor. He pulled several tricks on me that got me into hot water <laughs> with my bureau chief. Who Can was we con- share one of those tricks on well, the Well, yeah. He, uh, we were doing the radio address, and we were up at the ranch, and it was outside. For some reason, they felt like they needed a shot of him outside and the mountains behind him and the house behind him. And we'd gotten up there early because we always had to go very early to get in position. And uh, the tech and I were sitting in the grass playing with the dogs. And he came over, and there was a split rail fence. And he was chatting with us, and Nancy Reagan came out in the bathrobe. This bathrobe is worth more than a Mercedes, I'm convinced. I had never seen a bathrobe (laughs) like it. I just wanted to touch her bathrobe. I thought she'd think I was nuts. But um, anyway, so we had had a casual conversation, played with the dogs. It was clear he liked the dogs that we were playing with. He went over and sat down at the table. He turned around and looked at me, and I didn't think anything of it. He said his first line, we always took a level check. And the, his, he always read the first line of his script. Well, this time he said, we are going to start bombing Russia. And that level check went all over the country and started a big debate. Do we use this or not? He was kidding us. Um, and he knew what he was doing. By the time I got down off the mountain and back to the hotel where we were staying, my bureau chief was on the phone asking me what I'd done to the president <laughs> to make him do that. So that and he did it again to me. Yeah, a little experience with the president of the United States. Oh, he was you. charming. <laughs> he was charming. Oh man, I you've you've had some time at the Trib and the Associated Press and the Muncie Star Press. You have any concerns about the future of newspapers today absolutely, and what's going on? Absolutely, absolutely. It it just pains me. I, I love the Star. They gave me my start and. They only have three reporters, maybe two and a half. They can't possibly cover this town. And we used to make fun when USA Today came in, and we would call it, when, when I was in Washington, we'd call it McPaper. And it was, because it only had short little graphs of everything. But that's what the state of newspapers are. I miss holding a newspaper in my hand. I miss seeing what the news is. 
I read it online. I read the Star Press online every day, sometimes twice a day, but it's not the same. Nothing's the same. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been with Dee McKenzie on all kinds of people. Dee, I want to thank you so, so much for coming in and chatting. Thank it's you for inviting just me. Just a delight. Everybody, I hope you tune in on a regular basis to all kinds of people and also to WMUN, the talk of Muncie. Have a good week. Thanks for tuning in.